2: I'm Julie Smith, and this month we join our editor, Karen Barnes, and food broadcaster, Nigel Barden, at the World Cheese Awards in northern Spain. We hear from the chef's chef, Pierre Kaufman, about being in the business for 50 years.
3: After I did it, it became fashionable. Most of the restaurants in London copied. It was a very nice thing to do.
2: And we get some tips for our Christmas feasts from Canadian chef, Donna Dua, and Brighton's new hyper-local fine food restaurant, Isaac Ad. And we enjoy a Key royale with the founder of British Cassis. But first, to Northern Spain and the 29th World Cheese Awards. Radio 2's food man Nigel Barden and delicious editor Colin Barnes have been judging the best cheeses on the planet.
4: So this is properly exciting. In its 29th year, the World Cheese Awards, we're in Donastia, San Sebastian, the heart of the Basque country. The judges come from nearly 300 different countries, as do the uh, cheeses. I'm delighted that I've got Karen Barnes alongside me, Super Ed, editor of Delicious magazine. But you've been involved with the uh, Cheese Awards for some years.
5: I have. My very first Cheese Awards was in Gran Canaria, I think. It was seven or eight years ago. And uh, that was an experience for many different reasons, not least for the fact that the plane broke down and half the judges got left behind, and then their clothes went astray. But that's another story. <laughs> that was my first of Really, of how the whole thing works, and what really impressed me was the fact that the teams—usually three or four people—they're very carefully put together, aren't they? There's always a at least one cheesemaker in your team, and then probably somebody who sells cheese um, or buys cheese and then somebody like me who's a journalist who knows about food but not an exact cheese specialist. I think that first year I remember worrying about not perhaps having enough qualifications to judge and one of my fellow judges, a cheesemaker, said to me, the point is if you love food you know what a good cheese tastes like and essentially we are looking for cheeses that taste fantastic and have a great texture. It's about the pleasure of the process of eating and." And the skill of the producer. And um, that's what we aim to find when we do this judging, don't we?
4: We do indeed. Uh, and uh, the way it works with the just over 3,000 cheeses, um, the head judge, the one who has to corral the other uh, pallets into shape, and then eventually it's whittled down to 16. So you have a, a, a super jury sit for that one. Each of the judges champions a cheese and they have to try and sell it into their other judges. And then they all vote on that. And out of that, you will get a supreme champion um, and out of the UK entries uh, that under of those come from Wales uh, and obviously Scotland is also represented pretty well and then some more unusual ones from Mozambique uh, that's a soft goat's milk cheese rolled in crushed cashew nuts and I think they've even got a bit of uh, chilli chocolate sauce around the outside chilli
5: chocolate sauce Yeah, <laughs> that sounds interesting did you taste it? Uh,
4: it was interesting uh, I don't think it's made for super gold table but it, actually the, the flavours didn't conflict they did enhance which is uh, what it's all about.
5: I love the fact that every year I taste at least three or four cheeses that I've never had anything quite like it before and that's always a good moment.
4: I think you might go to Australia this year because there is a cow's milk cheese uh, which has got green ants on it who have fed on eucalyptus so they bring about and then they gorge themselves on the uh, cheese and that's and then they end their days on the cheese. Um, I think they go to sleep in a freezer on the cheese that's how they get it out. are you
5: making this up <laughs> no,
4: I um i've got a few to try
5: good what have we got here then
4: uh, it's a cow's milk cheese it's very reminiscent of a, of a parmesan uh parmigiano quite salty i don't know how you it's a describe spectacular it spectacular cheese yeah, it's a lovely cheese
5: but it's so rounded and rich and there's a lot of complexity there and it's also got that magic umami savory flavor that parmesan a good parmesan style cheese usually has yeah, always has
4: and sometimes you have a little salty crunch to it you think all oh, these are uh, salt in there it's not it's actually lactate crystals mm. that form naturally particularly with aging
5: very good cheese what's next
4: up this is a cheese you might well recognize from. It's looking
5: Britain. like a stilton it is indeed it's the king of cheeses isn't it stilton one of the things i love about it is that you have that real sense of the farmyard at the back of the taste every good stilton has a it's hard to describe. Farmyard is the only word I can think of.
4: <laughs> this is a sheep's milk cheese. It's manchego. Uh, from it's one of my manche- favorites. Yeah, and here it is. It's a great cheese and great with quince jelly, you know, made from quince pears. Uh, great on a cheese board, lovely contrast. And a, and a good tip with cheeses like these is actually rather than having red wines, quite often white wines work really well because they cut through the acidity, particularly if it's blue cheeses mm. there. Or a- apple juice if you're going for a non-alcoholic version. Mmm, delicious.
5: I'm talking to Charlie Turnbull, who is the cheese expert for Delicious magazine. I'm not only one of the judges, he's been on the grand jury today, judging the final, final, final cheeses from over 3,000 cheeses. Who won,
6: Charlie? Um, I am going to first apologise. My pronunciation of Norwegian is pants, but it's uh, Tingolos Kraftkar, which means strongman. And what we felt on our palates was um, the rich, creaminess spreading across the mouth but with the almost crusty blue veins sitting there that gave it a real weird crunch
5: tell me was there lots of debate over who was going to be the supreme champion or was it a clear winner
6: um, that was quite exciting. Right up to the, this, it was judged last on the of the, the Supreme Cheeses. Um, this, up until that point, there was two Spanish Cheeses joint winning. You could see the number of fives that were coming up. It just closed the deal. People didn't need to count. They could see the writing was on the wall.
5: Is it made by a great big company or is it a family run company or?
6: It's tiny. I love that. <laughs> it's tiny. <laughs> he was absolutely over the moon. He couldn't contain himself. He jumped up on stage. And it was that kind of proper tears in his eyes that it was real, you know. So a great end to a wonderful awards a judging. A great end. And almost like ends where it started. A small cheesemaker making it for his town, his family, just that area of Norway, but with grand ideals. And he put his cheese up against the biggest cheese beast in the world and he won.
2: And for information on where you can buy the winning cheese craft car, check Delicious magazine for details. Pierre Koffman is known as the chef's chef after training many of the brightest stars in British food. His book, Classic Koffman, tells the story of his 50 years as a chef through the recipes which have inspired a generation. I met up with him and his latest protégé, Ben Murphy, at Westminster Kingsway College in London, where Jamie Oliver first learned to cook, to ask him about his role in the evolution of British food. So I'm with Pierre Kaufman, granddaddy of... British food, actually, you've been you here. Say, daddy,
3: not granddaddy. <laughs> <you put> me.
2: <laughs> Last time we met was 25 years ago, and I, that's uh, when you were the daddy of British food, I, uh, and you've uh, seen the whole thing happen.
3: Because as a granddaddy, you've seen a lot of things. You know? So, <laughs> so, but now you see it change a lot, and because people are moving, chefs are moving from one country to to another other country to to take uh, some inspiration like Ben, ben did, and, uh, and I recommend to chefs to, to move a lot, you know, that's where you, you become a man and a, and a good chef.
2: We love food now. London has become a very good culinary yeah, very centre, longer. and Britain is a place that really appreciates good food. Yeah. Your book and your classic recipe, Pied de Cochon, Tante Claire, yeah. is celebrating that sort of nose to tail philosophy that we yeah. love. Yeah. But even 20 years ago, we wouldn't have touched pig trotters. I did it in
3: 1977, so and it's been uh, uh, about two weeks ago that uh, one of the magazines published. Uh, the, t- the 10 most memorable food in the world, not in England, and he was part of it. I was very, very pleased about that. 30 years ago, nobody would eat uh, tripes or, or uh, pig trotters. Uh, uh, after I did it, it became fashionable. and Most of the restaurants in London copied it, it was a very nice thing to do. And now it's okay. We sell it. At the moment, because we are closing at the end of the year, we sell easy 40 trotters a day, easy
2: tell me about Ben why is he, he your favorite protégé at the moment because you've had because a few
3: he's brilliant. brilliant no I had a lot in my life like you say as a granddad you got a lot of grandchildren by name, you got Marco Pierre White Gordon Ramsay uh Eric Chavot, uh, some of the biggest ben. names
2: in British food.
3: Tom Kitchin, Tom Kitchen, Tom Akins. Ben is passionate about, about, about his by a cookie, by his food. So when he came, he just came out of the college at some time. But already you knew he wanted to do something of his life. He's, uh, he's very inquisitive. He liked to ask questions. That's good, and uh, and he, he was passionate doing some uh, competition too. Where well, myself, I don't, I don't like coffee, But he loved it, and uh, and but I helped help him, but I always let him do what he wanted to do. I never say you got to do that for your competition. You got a lot of chef coming through the ki- through, through the kitchen. Maybe they're scared. I don't know why they're not. But, uh, but this one this one was per, per- perfect comic chef at the time. Ben Murphy
2: has already won an award presented to him by his mentor.
3: Yeah, I've been quite fortunate, to be honest. Um, so
7: I opened a restaurant in Woodford last year, um, and yeah, we won the Evening Standard Restaurant the Award, which was a bit of a shock, to be honest, and quite overwhelming. Uh, it was voted by the public as well, so that was obviously good to see that the food that I've done through developing, through working for Coffin is actually recognised by general people out there as well.
0: I wonder
2: what someone who's taught so many young chefs cooks for
3: his own family. I never cook at them. I lead, always leave it to my wife. She's a very good cook. She does a roast pork with the skin. We blow up like that, that thing, you know. She's very good at it. Yeah, and she's good with everything. She does things. Because chefs, we tend to do complicated things, you know, something like that. The woman at home is more relaxed. It's more for the, for the family food, simple food, you know. Simple but tasty. Like she does a beautiful roast vegetable with anchovy on top. And she baked all that in the oven, and uh, it's brilliant, you know? You take a big dish, you put everything there, you do it very well, it tastes good, and you are very happy.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
2: Another young chef making waves in the food scene is Brighton's Isaac Bartman Copeland who's turned Isaac at from hyper pop-up to the city's latest fine dining destination. I asked him how that happens when you're just 22 years old.
7: I wanted to do something a little bit different, um, a little bit more interactive and, uh, and a little bit less kind of snotty for a fine dining restaurant. Be ourselves, um, not really do things because we feel like we're supposed to do it, just do things because they make sense or because it, it benefits the food, really.
2: And what makes sense is that you're using lots and lots of local produce. Is every single thing that you use from within about 25 miles or something?
7: Uh, well, yeah, not like absolutely everything, but I think what what we're really trying to do is showcase Sussex ingredients um, and, and also British ingredients and drinks as well. So we just kind of start off with what the ingredients is, if it's a really good thing that's available, and then get it in and then work out what we're going to do with it, really.
2: So you're planning the christmas menu now for example yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so what are you are you looking at the ingredients first
7: yeah yeah absolutely so we'll ring all the suppliers and just ask them what's really good at that point in time and then uh, and then sometimes they'll bring in a sample sometimes jeremy our veg supplier is absolutely great he uh, he gave us the idea for the the green gauge dessert Um, because he said, I've got these green gauges and they're fantastic.
2: Which I saw on Twitter and I need.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he he walked through the door and he he said, oh, you've got to try this, and me and George just tried it and we were like, oh my God, that that is incredible. Um, Let's let's make a dessert out of it.
2: As Isaac and the team prepare their Christmas menu, they're finding that their vegetarian customers are providing some of the inspiration for some amazing Sussex dishes.
7: Uh, For instance, last night we had a a couple of uh, vegetarians in, um, so we decided to kind of mix it up a bit. Uh, and we've got a fish dish on at the moment which is cauliflower, hazelnut and parsley Um, so we decided to just kind of work on that without the fish involved and we did some kind of caramelised down cauliflower um, and then finished off with a little bit of black treacle some salt uh, and then served it with cauliflower puree um, a little bit of raw shaped cauliflower, some hazelnut oil and some parsley oil. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was literally incredible. I had to, I had to save some for Alex because I was like, <laughs> Alex, you've got to try this. And we did, we did like a similar kind of style of plating with the broccoli dish. We did like some charred broccoli um, uh, stems uh, and then, because we've got the, the broccoli tops on the pork dish anyway, so we've got all these stems, like, hanging about. <laughs> so we've been making puree with some of those, doing, like, a bit of a smoked broccoli puree. And then we decided to just kind of go with just the stem and char that. Um, and then we serve that with, obviously, the tops that are a little bit acidic. And the stem's, like, really rich in flavour because we roast it off. Um, and then we, we serve that with the, the smoked broccoli puree. Uh, and then a little bit of um, balsamic vinegar and some uh, some sesame seeds. Yeah, it was really, really good.
2: Definitely. Alex Preston, you're the drinks man here. So tell me about some of the local juices and wines that you're managing to find.
8: Um, always like to stay in Sussex for the wines. Sparkling-wise, we've got Ridgeview and Night timber primarily, but then we also use a little bit of Settleskin uh, Rosé Brut which is a biodynamic wine, so organic, gives back to the land as well. It was actually surprisingly difficult to find a decent place to get apples and pears that was actually local, because a lot of it goes into the cider making. Uh, so we end up using Isaac's mum's uh, garden's apples, and then Henry, the landlord, he had an apple tree, who said, sorry, hey, are looking the juices, so... I've got, I then juiced down all of his apples from uh, his tree this year. And we've got two completely different types of apples. So you've got uh, a little bit more of a sharper, like more grammy apple in the form of his one. And then Isaac's mum's is sort of more of like a subtle sweetness. Which is, so you
2: really are keeping it in the family. Yeah,
8: well, I'm not. <laughs> uh, it just so happens to be that the best places we could find the apples were quite local. Mmm, delicious.
2: Donna Doer is the queen of Canadian's food scene a chef, restaurateur and chair of Taste Canada and the Canadian Restaurant Association. She was in the UK to talk about the rise in interest in Canadian food and I asked her if her hometown of Toronto, which I discovered last year, is food heaven, is the best in the country.
1: The hotbed these days in Canada is Toronto. But the whole country is on fire when it comes to food and cuisine. We're just, I don't know what it is, we're just the centre of attention.
2: Well, I interviewed quite a lot of people about why they thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was about diversity. University, yes uh, which is always the key to good food um, lots of
1: immigrant cultures but that that open-mindedness yeah I would absolutely agree the thing that I find about Canada is we're so we're defined by our agriculture and we're a huge country at that you don't know if you how far you got outside of Toronto but it's it's a big place so right across coast to coast and in the middle we have all these wonderful agricultural gems happening now we've got all these people who are moving to Canada bringing their, their magic of the kitchen and they're taking Canadian ingredients and putting their spin on it. 52% of the population of Toronto were not born in Canada so it's pretty amazing it's just a neighbourhood, chock-a-block of neighbourhoods of all the different nations from around the world. And I think that's what makes our cuisine very unique and very distinctive. We're not looking to homogenise the cuisine. We're leaving all these cultures, all these little cultural neighbourhoods across the country to, to their own cuisine. But we're using a lot of Canadian ingredients along the way.
2: So we've just had Canadian Thanksgiving. Those lovely little neighbourhoods you were talking about in Toronto, will they all eat turkey?
1: Uh, No. (laughs) Uh, A lot of them will take turkey and do different things with it. They'll make turkey curry. uh, They'll make turkey Korean barbecue. uh, But we do love our turkey at Thanksgiving, for sure.
2: And we always like to nick your ideas for Thanksgiving for our Christmas. What would you suggest for the delicious? podcast listeners that they could steal from a Canadian Thanksgiving and put on their Christmas
1: table? Well, one of uh, my favourite dishes, Brussels sprouts. Now, I know people are just like, oh, uh, sprouts, are you kidding me? I love them. them. But we do a great dish called Screaming Heads. We call them Screaming Heads, but really uh, it's Brussels sprouts that have been sautéed in a little bit of prosciutto, some garlic, uh, lots of um, butter, of course. We love butter and we have lots of great butter in Canada. And then you smother it in cheese and cream and you bake it in the oven and it's absolutely to die for turkey how do you keep a turkey moist ah so this is a great debate that we have in canada cook the turkey lid on lid off it's a good thing to chat about around the table so i start the turkey off very high with the lid off i do rub it with lots of butter sometimes duck fat really want to get crazy and uh, I let it roast for about 30 minutes and then I turn it down to a very low low temperature and it's a long slow cook from there lots of basting let the skin get really crispy but I, I never cover it up okay so mm-hmm. lid off Donald lid off Donald I'm, Donald. I'm a lid off turkey cooker
2: now it's almost time to start preparing for the festive season and our own Phoebe Stone has been to talk to Joe Hilditch of British Cassis to find out how to make the queen of Christmas aperitifs
9: Pure Royale is probably the best uh, and the easiest, of course. You know, just a splash in the bottom of a glass and then top it up with Prosecco. And you don't, re- you don't want to use a- an expensive champagne. You just mm-hmm. want to use something like a Prosecco or a fizzy wine. But there are so many other ways of using it. There are loads of other cocktails. But as well as that, you've got, um, you can put vanilla, put it, drizzle it over vanilla ice cream.
0: Lovely.
9: Uh, put it in venison gravy. Um, make it with put it with ginger and have it over duck you can make syllabub you can make ice cream I mean look on our website there are loads possibilities are endless. yeah <laughs> loads of recipes online you've oh.
5: had massive success with the product it's stocked in Fortnum and Mason you appeared on Dragon's Den last year and you turned down the Dragon's offer
9: notoriously turned down the Dragon's <laughs> yes and got a bit of abuse online as well we got asked to go on it I was approached at a show so I didn't. I would never have set out to go on something like that. But I suppose when they ring you up and say, oh, we think you've got a good product for our show, would you like to come on? It appeals to your vanity. And so I thought, oh, OK, well, I'll have a go at that. So went up for the first day's filming, and they said, oh, yes, you seem just the kind of person. And before I knew it, I was in the studios in Manchester in front of these five people who, you know, hats off to them. You know, they're all very good business people, but they're probably really no better business people than i am so it would have taken one to be very special for me to have taken the offer um they wanted too much of the business i only wanted to give away maximum 20 i think i got to 20 with sarah willingham but she didn't really she didn't really love the way the product was being presented she didn't like the name the british cassis because it was french and that was the whole point of the product you know i was taking the french on at something which they're very good at and and i think doing it a lot better so she as she hadn't really bought into the brand then i couldn't really buy into her (laughs) so that was why i turned her down
2: and finally hugh thompson Deputy Chief Sub-Editor of Delicious Magazine talks to editor Karen Barnes about what we can expect from the Christmas issue of the magazine.
5: One of the things that we do every year is that we go, we spend a day out of the office and we have a proper brainstorming so that we have really good time to sit and come up with some slightly different ideas. Anything goes, you can say whatever you want to. And sometimes I've, I've always felt that the, the most crazy idea which seems the most undoable idea, can become the best thing in the issue. We've created a cover in the style of a Dutch master painting. It is a
8: work of art.
5: It is a work of art. Uh, This was the brainchild of um, Bex, our food editor. And she had the idea of a glorious glistening ham, which is a traditional feature of a lot of those old Dutch master paintings, if you Google it. And we decided to recreate that um, kind of image with pomegranates and a pewter flagon in the background and a candle and rich cloth. And it looks rich and welcoming, so uh, I think it's a a very beautiful thing. We broke up into teams on our brainstorming, and one of the teams came up with the idea of um, having... Just trying to solve all those Christmas arguments that can come up every year because everyone thinks that Christmas is supposed to be all calm and even-tempered, but <laughs> let's face it, it, it never it is. it isn't. Some of the things are fun, just a little thought about who listens to this Queen's speech and what time you should listen to it and do you or don't you. Those are just small things, a um, bit of fun. But then there are the bigger issues, like: should you have Christmas lunch at your home or at your partner's home or at the in-laws' there's house? Some good
4: stories from that. One, I must admit,
5: yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also
8: uh, breast meat or leg meat. You know which one's best.
5: There's, does anybody actually eat dates? But there is one thing that we do all agree on, that we all should have a glass of champagne.
9: Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> well, as early as possible.
5: As early as possible. Get it poured in that glass. As soon as you hear the chink of the champagne flute. it means that Christmas is starts. And we've got lots of um, extra things with the magazine this month, including our Showstopper Puddings special, which wow, is the yeah. final, it's the sixth Um, For anyone who's been collecting them, we've been doing collector's editions throughout the year. We've done bread and chocolate and spice and uh, cake and others. And this is the final one, Showstopper Puddings, which um, is to give you every sweet ending that you could possibly need
2: during Christmas and beyond. And that's it from the December edition of the Delicious Magazine podcast. Don't forget to rate and review it on iTunes. Just search for Delicious Magazine podcast. And if you'd like to hear it as soon as it goes live, you can subscribe for free on the podcast page of the delicious website, deliciousmagazine.co.uk. And if you'd like to get in touch with any of your ideas, email readers at deliciousmagazine.co.uk.
9: Have a lovely Christmas and see you next year.